Hello there, this is Dave Allen for EV20Q Podcast, and today we're talking to Aaron Russell. Aaron is a knowledgeable young man, and this is his first car, as well as his first electric car. And I first bumped into Aaron on the YouTube channel, where he was describing his experiences of getting his new Nissan Leaf. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast and have a chat with Aaron. Um, so tell me anyway, how long have you been an EV driver? It's been a matter of weeks. So the 1st of February was when I got my uh, my new Leaf. And uh, it's not only my first EV, but my first car. Do you know what? I'm so jealous. I am waiting for a, a Nissan Leaf and I don't know when I'm going to get it. It's going to be in April sometime and I put the order in on the uh, 10th of January. In fact, I had an order in before that in December, but then I changed it because I wanted the, uh, the red Tecna version rather than one of the... Um, you know, the black or the spring cloud colour that you can get out of. So I'm really jealous that you've got your car already. Yeah. Uh, what what was it made you uh, upgrade to the, uh, the Technospec? What, what caught your eye? Well, for a start off, I wasn't that keen on the spring cloud colour. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't sure about that until I'd seen it in person. And obviously, there wasn't really any way to do that back in December. So, uh, yes, the, the pearl black was what I uh, what I ended up going for. Yeah, well, the black one would have been okay, except for the fact I live in a hot climate, and during the summertime, we have temperatures where the car could get quite hot if it was black, and I thought yeah. it's not, just not a good idea. No, especially given you've got a battery in there as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the people that live in, say, Florida or Texas or places there, there they, they report that you know, it can affect the battery You know, if you're in a hot climate. Yeah, and obviously you don't want to be losing segments off the uh, battery health gauge too early on. Yeah, I mean for a lot of, for a lot of time I park it under cover as much as possible anyway. So, but uh, there are always going to be one or two occasions where it has to be parked out in the sun. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it's unavoidable. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that was uh, the one thing, the colour, and then uh, the other thing was is that uh, during the winter time here, it can get quite cool. I mean, today's in fact the whole of this week is going to be a bit cool. Um, it's going to be sort of around about two or three degrees. Sometimes in the early morning, it can be minus uh, minus figures as well. And yeah. I like to be warm in the car, and my wife likes to be cool in the car. So <laughs> if we've got seat heaters in there, she can have her the way she wants it, and I can have it the way I want it. So yeah, that it, it is a very nice touch having the seat heaters. Uh, do you have seat heaters in yours? Yeah, it is on the 2.0 as well. Yeah, it's got uh, front and rear heated seats. Uh, I'm not sure if the... Uh, you, you're in Spain, aren't you? I am, yeah. Yeah, so I'm not sure if the spec is different in Spain, because I know that certainly the Nordic countries have a slightly diff- slightly tweaked spec compared to what we have here in the UK. So I don't know if the uh, if the models exactly line up. It could be that maybe... Yeah, maybe it's just the Nordic countries that have a, a separate spec, or maybe it's each individual country gets their own. No, no, it's different. There's different spec in different places. I mean, like for instance, in the uh, the US, in the uh, Tecna or their top of the range version, they get the electric sort of uh, adjustable seat. So uh, we don't get that. Yeah. Here. No, no, mine doesn't. Uh, mine definitely doesn't have that. There's quite. Um, I, I know that the US market has a very, very different lineup. They have LED headlights as standard, and we don't get that uh, here in the UK, at least. But I know that that is included on the Nordic variant. Um, there's also other things like they're getting uh, an upgraded mobile app. They're getting the Nissan Connect EV and Services app, uh, which has a lot of extra features um, tied in with the subscription service. Um, 
So you can do things like uh, set boundaries to monitor where your children are uh, driving the car and things like that. Okay. Um, now, that that's not available uh, outside of the U.S. That's something that's kind of custom made for for the U.S. market. Um, so there was a lot of excitement that that app would be uh, reaching the U.K. Uh, along with its support for Amazon Alexa. So, yeah, um, the... US version has support for uh, Amazon Alexa um, and the Apple Watch, and that support isn't coming to um, the European market. Uh, it, again, it's part of that kind of custom package for um, for the US. I think it's something that Nissan USA have been working on purely for for their own use. Well, I hope it comes across because I have an Alexa and also have a, an Apple Watch, so I'd like both of those things to be uh, uh, possible to use and uh, you know, control in my car. I mean, I suppose it'll come over at some point in time, but I mean, they always do the US first, don't they? They have, uh, Nissan Europe have confirmed it's definitely not coming here. Oh. <laughs> um, that, that question's already been asked on Twitter. That's definitely not happening. It's been funded, it's been funded by Nissan USA, so they're only releasing it there there are some workarounds however uh, obviously yeah as you own an apple watch i'm sure you'll be aware that uh, any notifications from the phone will appear on the watch uh, and the app currently does send various notifications to the phone so you do at least get those notifications on the watch i know it's not quite the same as having native support but you, you do get kind of notifications when your car is uh, charging or when you've turned on heating and things like that and there is also a um, an unofficial way of getting uh even on the european leafs uh support for amazon alexa uh, it does require setting up an amazon developer account and jumping through a whole bunch of hoops um but i have recently posted a video just uh, demoing that it does it does work if you are patient enough to uh, to make all of make all of it work i'll probably give that a go because once i did actually sort of uh, set up an amazon thing an amazon echo on my raspberry pi and I had to get a developer account to be able to do that as well. So I managed it, but uh, it wasn't as useful actually having a, as, a, as actually having an Echo because to work it on the Raspberry Pi, you had to push a button to be able to get it to work. Whereas the the Echo, I mean, you just say the name and away you go. Yeah, I suppose the biggest uh, the biggest thing that makes this stand out from say uh, Siri on my phone is the ability you can just shout at it across the room. I know you do have the. Uh, the ability to do that with Siri, but it just doesn't work anything like as well as it does on on the Echo. No, you need the close proximity with Siri, don't you? Yeah, you really do. I mean, supposedly that's better on the HomePods, but that's uh, obviously very limited at this point. I mean, we've only been talking for just a couple of minutes so far, and I can already tell that you've researched this hugely, and you know what you you know what you know about electric cars and so on. But yeah, what made you decide to go with the uh, the Nissan Leaf? um it was a combination of price point feature set to be honest with, with the, the new one the the styling as well that was the big thing i so about 18 months ago i started looking into purchasing uh, an ev well purchasing a vehicle full stop uh, and i decided pretty early on that i wanted to go the ev route if it was if it was going to be affordable um obviously yeah everyone wants a tesla uh but the uh the model s was well out of my price range and the model x even more so same here the model 3 you know very lovely looking car but uh certainly to to reach the uk market uh is going to be late next year possibly even 2020 um because they have to build obviously a right hand drive version for the uk market and they are obviously so uh, they've got such a backlog of orders that they want to clear that first before they're even going to look at uh, building any um, customized versions for the UK. 
so that kind of pushed the schedule out a bit too far for me. So I started looking at alternatives, and I started looking at the previous gen model. Uh, sorry, the previous generation Leaf. Uh, I was looking at the thirty kilowatt hour center, thirty kilowatt hour Techno, one of those. Um, I wasn't sold on the exterior design of it it did look a bit weird and bug-eyed and i wasn't really sure that uh that was something i'd be happy with but it did uh, you know I, I spent months watching you know loads of uh, people's youtube videos uh, there's, there's quite a few channels on youtube where people are just kind of uh showing their lives you know living with these vehicles i yeah it's a huge insight just to see how easily it slotted into your life and where where the the trouble points were and where in some cases it was better than um you know traditional ice vehicles from what i saw it did seem that the build quality was dramatically better on the leaf compared to some of the other evs out there particularly the um the renault zoe that i was seeing lots of reports that it was the renault zoe was cheaper um but the build quality just wasn't quite uh wasn't quite the same uh, class at all isn't it only cheaper if you buy it with the uh, the battery as a lease item rather than uh, buying the battery as well i believe i believe it's significantly cheaper if you if you do get it leased yeah um but if you if you buy the battery outright i'm not sure how that compares with at least a 40 kilowatt hour one how it compares to the leafs it might be sort of the same sort of price bracket as maybe the vizier of the new leafs but i mean i i'll be honest i, I hold my hands up i haven't actually looked into that in too much detail because i did kind of set my set my eyes on the new leaf once uh, that got announced it's always nice to have something new as well isn't it exactly yeah i mean it's uh yeah, a lucky position to be in to be uh, one of the first people to get one of these new leaves as well. Uh, I think I was, well, I, I certainly wasn't the first, but I, I certainly think I was probably one of the first 25 in the UK to, to get one. Well, congratulations. That's all I can add. I'm still jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Someone asked me if there were, were um, uh, certificates issued saying, you know, this is more. Um, you know, number X of 1,500, uh, and suddenly there wasn't. I, I, know, I didn't even think of that until someone asked, and I was like, oh, actually, I kind of wanted one of those. <laughs> yeah, you can't tell from the VIN number. Good question. There's nothing on the VIN number that's jumped out at me uh, as being kind of, uh, you know, this would be number 30 off the, product, uh, you know, off the production line or something like that. Uh, I'm sure if, if you knew what the first VIN number was, you could probably infer it, but, yeah, yeah I, I don't really know enough about how to read those. Yeah, you can work these things out with the tester, I know, but uh, a lot of these uh, VIN numbers are kind of a bit of a gobbledygook sort of thing anyway, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, you got this uh, leaf and you're really happy with it. What about charging points? I mean, do you have a charger at home? Uh, yeah, so a company called Podpoint in the UK has installed a, uh, a tethered Type 2 charger on my house. Um, that was uh, it was actually completely free. So here in the UK, we get a £500 uh, grant towards the cost of uh, a charger installed from uh, what's known as OLEV or the Office of Low Emission Vehicles. Okay. Um, the price of the charger was actually £859. So the remaining £359 is actually covered by Nissan uh, as part of the uh, install process. Uh, sorry, as, as part of the as part of the purchase process. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the charge point is. Uh, yeah, it's completely free to, to get installed. And it means you can just kind of leave home with a full battery. 
That's cool, that is. Uh, in Spain, we've got something similar. In Well, we don't get anything from the government on the on the charging points. I think uh, they've got some sort of thing going where they're putting right. charge points out in the public area uh, and places can you know get grants to do that. But uh, for the house, I don't think we get anything. But I've got €1,000 from Nissan to, get to go towards uh, putting a charger in. Um, the only thing I'm sort of worried about with that is that sometimes you've got a, um, an installer who is sort of uh, the, the only ones that you can use. I'm just worried they might bump up the price of it because you're a captive audience. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that's uh, the way the way around that is just, you know, research the market, I guess. So if you can find, uh, I mean, in the UK, we have a very popular uh, EV forum called Speak EV. Um, I don't know if... Uh, if that gets much use outside of the UK, I've certainly seen some some people from other countries post on there occasionally, but it does seem to be kind of pretty UK focused. But if there's anything kind of local that you know, you've got other EV drivers that are getting these things done, and you can kind of see feedback from what installers have have done a good job for them, what kind of places they're being charged, and obviously, you know, education goes a long way to making sure you don't get ripped off <laughs> with stuff like this. Yeah, well, I mean, I know I can get a um, uh, the box to put on the wall for around about uh, four or five hundred, you know, depending on you know, which model it is and so on like that. Uh, but then it's just a case of the cost. But sometimes I think you know these uh, the installers, you know, they can be cheeky so and so sometimes. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> we'll find out anyway. You've always got to be careful with uh, with stuff like this. So anyway, you've got a charger at home. Uh, what about charging points near to you? I mean, are they near to you that are useful uh, make, uh, that make it easy for charging up for you? Um, yeah, so there's probably about uh, maybe about 20 or 30 Type 2 points in, in the near, yeah, in the, the 10 mile circle around me. Uh, so there's plenty of, of charge points around. Uh, there's one rapid, reasonably close. Uh, it's about 10 miles down the road there's a, a rapid charger um, and here in the UK we've got uh, rapid charges at pretty much all of the motorway service areas now oh, that's cool um, so if you're on any kind of long distance journey uh, and you and you know by the time you if you're traveling you know, a few hundred miles by the time you need to stop for a bathroom break or to grab a coffee or something you just plug your car in and by the time you're done your car's got uh, a bit more juice in it ready to do the next leg of the journey Mm, that sounds really good that does i mean do you have a, a long commute to uh to deal with uh actually i don't know i mean that that was one of the uh advantages of getting an electric car was, you know i don't need to travel hundreds of miles to and from work every day i mean i i live and work in the same town so it's uh you know, it's a very short hop from home to work okay that's cool so what was it like when you did your first long journey anyway was uh, was it okay um yeah it went um went absolutely fine to be honest the first couple of journeys i did were actually for the benefit of youtube um so i did one where uh, i had a question asking about you know did it uh, what was the battery temperature like and did the charges slow down um as a result of high battery temperature so i did uh, a deliberately staged journey where i left home with not a huge amount of juice in the battery just to try and get in as many rapid charges as i could that one actually went reasonably well then i did another one last weekend just from uh, from here in in middlesbrough across to manchester and then back uh that one went uh, a lot a lot better on the way there just because obviously it was just one charge for the same sort of journey as the week before um however on the way back i did cut it extremely close and i had the kind of flashing dashes on the uh, dashboard and then apparently about three percent left in the battery 
Uh, I checked the Nissan app um, on my phone after I got in. It said I had about zero miles left. So I think I was uh, cutting that very, very close indeed. But I, I, I did make it home. But obviously the purpose of that journey you know, was to try and uh, really try and push the limits of the car and just see how much we could get away with doing motorway speeds in winter. Mm. Well, that's the thing. You get these new cars and you want to sort of try it out and see what you can do with it, don't you? That's it, yeah. And, and that seems to be... You know, the biggest question that seems to be being asked at the moment is how far can it go? You know, if, if I'm doing motorway journeys, how far can it go? If I'm doing, you know, just pootling around town, how far can it go? Uh, I suppose, you know, that's, that's for a lot of people, a big barrier with buying an EV is, you know, th- they're worried about, you know, they'll be used to petrol cars, which, you know, have massive petrol tanks and can travel hundreds and hundreds of miles between refueling. And then they look at an EV with a, you know, the low-end uh, EVs with a range of you know maybe 100 miles, 150 miles, and, it, and that concerns them quite a bit. Um, well, once we start getting the ranges of you know your Tesla Model S's and things, I think those concerns will go away. And I think I don't necessarily think we need bigger batteries. I think it will probably come from better efficiency uh, rather than bigger batteries. But yeah, I mean, over time, obviously, the technology will improve and those concerns will, will fade away. But already with, you know, the new Leaf, with the, the 40 kilowatt hour Zoe, and in America, you've got the Bolt. Uh, you know, these cars are starting to come down in price range, but still have those higher ranges. And I think that's that's going to do wonders for the EV market. Yeah, well, the thing with efficiency as well is that to a certain extent, you're going to, you can sort of affect it by yourself, you know, for start off with uh, getting into eco mode driving like a granny absolutely that helps <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, well yeah i mean it, it does help but i mean a lot of the cars will will the car will do a lot to help you out as well if you let it i mean if you turn on you know the, the slightly more aggressive region um or, or on the leaf if you use the e-pedal uh, and, and as you say eco mode even, even with those things on even if you're not driving it particularly carefully they'll still do that bit more to uh to help you get that bit further uh, or you know, if if you are really struggling for for um, for range, then you know you can always lower your speed a bit, and as you say, drive like a granny. But uh, for the most part, you don't really need to. I mean, I guess if you've got you know an older vehicle with a twenty four kilowatt hour battery, I could understand the um, the need to do that a lot more. But I've not really, apart from those you know deliberately staged journeys, I've not really had any range concerns at all in in real world usage so far. Tell me, what about people around you? I mean, I, my wife, she's not convinced yet. She thinks that we still need to have um, an ice car just to be safe if we want to go on a long journey someplace. But I'm actually looking forward to the going on a long journey and having the sort of, you know, relaxed sort of driving where you're stopping you know, regularly and sort of having a bit of a break and stuff. Because I, I tend to do all the driving anyway. And, you know, sort of when you're yeah. sort of on the road for a long time, I mean, it can be, one, boring and also just very tiring as well, can't it? Yeah, exactly. Sometimes you just need to get out and stretch your legs for a bit, have a coffee, or you might get hungry. And it's time to grab a sandwich, or whatever, whatever the case may be. You can. It, it, it's difficult sitting in the car for hundreds of miles on end without a stop. So, yeah, you know, the the times that, particularly with the current leaf, the times when it wants to be topped up seem to fit in quite well with when you'd probably want to stop and have a few minutes anyway. 
Absolutely, yeah. As uh, Robert Llewellyn keeps saying, it's not about the uh, battery sort of range, it's about the uh, bladder range. Absolutely, yeah, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. <laughs> anyway, so when you're going on a long journey there, I mean, what um, maps are you using for finding the charges? Are you using the one in the car or are you using a separate uh, app on your uh, phone? So from what I've seen on YouTube, the the app in the car sorry the sat nav in the car only knows about certain charge points um and that seems to be true for my area as well i was surprised by how many it did know about but one of the things it can't do at least in the uk is tell you about the availability of those charge points so for example if someone's currently charging a vehicle off them so it's going to be busy by the time you get there or if it's out of service or if there's any other kind of issues now it does have menu options on the screen for doing that so i'm guessing in some markets that information is available i just don't think it's available at least for the charging networks where i live okay i mean it may even be the case you know if i was to travel down to london maybe that that would work um obviously there's there's a whole range of charging networks here in the uk and but the, the local ones don't seem to report that in so i've been using an app uh, called zap map I think that's basically a UK one, that one, isn't it? Yeah, so it seems to be the same sort of lines as PlugShare. PlugShare seems to be another very popular one. I've not used that one as much yet, but they, they both seem to be on the same sort of lines. The reason I've been focusing on ZapMap is some of the networks in the UK have bots set up, which will like, live update the status on ZapMap. Okay. Um, it's not quite as reliable as using the... Uh, each network's own app to check the status because obviously they're going to have the best information in their own apps um but it's you know it's a good guide for for knowing you know what's available nearby which charges are, are currently being used because last thing you want to do is uh let's say you're low on battery and you, and you pull into a car park and then you find that you know all the charge bays in that car park are, are currently in use and you, you want to go to a car park that has uh, an available charge bay ready for you to use yeah so when you've been planning your journeys there i mean you've been planning them sort of before you sort of set off and sort of looking well like okay well i could stop at this one here but there's two or three others nearby that if i can use if i if i need to if this one's not working yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, uh, even once I, I tried travelling from home to the rapid charger ten miles away, and in, in the you know, in a few minutes it took me to drive between here and there. Uh, I found that another vehicle had uh, obviously started charging in that time, and, and that can happen. So even with the best laid plans, it's good to have a backup. But I mean, you only really need to worry about that if you're doing long distance journeys. Um, if if I'm just you know, going around town, I'll leave home with a full battery and there's no way I'm going to deplete that just on a day's errands around town. Even if I'm traveling to, to nearby towns, you know, I'll get home and I'll still be juicing the battery. So it's not even, not even something I, I've bothered doing unless I've been uh, going on longer journeys further afield. Yeah, I'm thinking with mine, I'll probably end up not charging it 200% very often because I live up a hill and I want to have um, room in the battery for the regen to put stuff in there. So when I'm going down the hill, I'll get some braking with the regen rather than um, having to use the, uh, the actual physical brakes. Yeah, that is something that is noticeably missing if you do have the the battery completely full, is that the regen just isn't there. And it can catch you out if you're not careful because you're expecting it to regen. Even, even if you've got it in D mode and you're expecting it to regen a bit, and it just flat out doesn't for the first percent or two. As, as you start um, using more of the battery, it starts enabling more and more of the regen progressively. It's not like uh, you know, a cutoff at a specific amount. So even once you get to 95%, you're getting you know, a, a fair amount of the regen capability back. But obviously, once you get down below 90, you've got full regen. Uh, back again. Yeah, I, th I think the thing with the Nissan is that in any case, 
if you're not getting the regen, it will actually use the uh, brakes, uh, the physical brakes anyway. It's intelligent enough to know that it's got to sort of give you some brakes there. I mean, say you're using the e-pedal, for instance, you know? It will if you're using the e-pedal. If you're not using the e-pedal, it's down to you to use the brakes. That's kind of, I suppose that's, that's fairly sort of standard, that really, isn't it? But uh, Yeah, exactly. I think it's, I think they've done a lot of things not to scare uh, long-term ice drivers because I think the whole target audience of this new leaf is to yeah the whole the whole purpose seems to be to try and reel in people okay so what is your experience of public charges so far anyway it's been overwhelmingly positive to be honest i was expecting it to be a lot more difficult than it has been apart from that one instant where i was beaten to a rapid charger every time i've gone to use a charge point so far it's been available now obviously i'm not expecting that trend to continue and be quite that reliable um but no i've, I've had quite good success so far yeah, I mean, uh, Nissan are selling the, the Leaf uh, left, right and centre now, so... Yeah, exactly. The more EVs that get on the road, obviously, the, the more challenging that problem is going to become. But at the same time, the more charge points we're going to see. Um, so I think, you know, at the moment, it's a bit of a chicken and egg problem. Until, until they really start gaining more traction, we're probably not going to see an increase in charge points. But once that does happen, we'll start to see more charge points popping in because people will start complaining more that they're not, they're not able to charge. Most uh, times, anyway, people are going to be charging at home rather than using a charge point anyway. Exactly, yeah, and if you're leaving home with, you know, even if you've got 80% of the battery, I mean, that's going to that's gonna do you, you most of the time. I mean, to be honest, I could probably get a few days out of each charge for my my regular use, because I don't have a huge commute. Um, even if I did have a longer commute, I, I could probably get maybe a day or two out of it mm-hmm. uh, without needing to charge. But, I mean, yeah, I could probably get three or four days between charges if I really wanted to. I haven't been leaving it off charge um at the moment i have been charging it each night um but you know let, let's say uh i i, I don't know let, let's say my my home charger failed for some reason i don't think it would be an enormous inconvenience because there's uh, a seven kilowatt post uh type two post up the road from me about two minutes away um which i, I can use completely free of charge um so I, I if anything i would save money <laughs> in that situation because i wouldn't be paying it on my home electricity bill um yeah that's cool isn't yeah it? so i mean yeah you tell me uh, there's a lot of these uh type 2 charges out there that are say like uh, 22 kilowatts for instance and then you plug it into a type 2 type 2 on the on the car but i think the type 2 on the car that only is rated at seven isn't it that's correct, yeah. So it, it won't work with the three-phase 22-kilowatt posts. It'll only work with the seven... Well, it will work with them. It just won't draw more than uh, six kilowatts, uh, 6.6 kilowatts. Okay. So it, it will yeah, it will quite happily draw 6.6 kilowatts out of the post, and it will be compatible with it. It just won't make full use of it. Um, so if, if you are at a site that has both you know, your seven-kilowatt posts and your 22-kilowatt posts... Yeah, really, uh, as a matter of etiquette, it's probably best to use the seven kilowatt posts because you're not going to get any more out of it and you might be inconveniencing uh, maybe a Renault Zoe owner who could get more out of that post, you know. Mm, There is that, yeah. Um, What about uh, with the RFID cards and the the apps? I mean, have, have you managed with that? So I started off with the apps. Um, now, obviously, the experience there will vary wildly from network provider to network provider because they've all got their own way of doing things. Um, we've got a, a company called Charge Your Car in the northeast of England. Who uh, their apps a little bit a little bit dated, a little bit clunky, but it does work. Uh, I've not had any issues with that. Uh, I have got an RFID card just in case from them as well. Um, I've also got an, a card from another network called Polar Plus here in the UK. They, 
for their subscription service, they only provide RFID cards. They don't have to worry about an app at all. And the motorway networks here in the UK use um, uh, uh, by a network called Ecotricity. Okay. Um, and they are app only. So there's no option of RFID cards. They require you to uh, scan a QR code on, on the post so that it can identify which post you're at and then it, it will uh, initiate the charge. So tell me, if I was to drive over to the UK from here in Spain, would I be able to use those um, charging posts, the Ecotricity ones or the Polar ones? Uh, the polar ones you would you could use with the polar instant one. They would cost more because you wouldn't have subscription. So, with with the subscription, you can basically do unlimited charging for free. With the app, you have to pay kind of a per connection fee, uh, and it, it gets quite pricey. With the motorway posts, um, there's you don't all, all you have to do is register an account and add your payment details to that account. Now you, you can do that, you know, in the space of two minutes while you're at a motorway service area. It's not something you have to set up in advance. I mean, obviously, it would be sensible to do it in advance, just in case for some reason you maybe don't have mobile coverage or something where you are. Mm-hmm. But that, that's also something that the Ecotricity Network has thought of. So if you are at a motorway service area and it is quite remote and for some reason it doesn't have uh, mobile network coverage, they've actually uh, enabled Wi-Fi hotspots on all of their chargers. So you can just connect to their Ecotricity Wi-Fi to um, initiate the charge session. Uh, so they've kind of thought of everything on that front, which is um, it, it's quite nice to see. I, I'm guessing in, in years gone by, maybe that wasn't the case. That's something that's, uh, you know, been sorted after they've had some complaints or something but uh certainly by the time i've gotten around to it it's not been an issue when uh, i mean my go and fill it with petrol at the moment i go to a petrol station and i just I, there's no one there i just use a, a credit card i mean are there any sort of uh, these um uh, charging stations where you can just use a credit card uh they're starting to appear uh it's very early days for that here in the uk um, but I did use one uh, last weekend. Uh, there was an InstaVault charger that I used. And because it had just been installed, it, it was actually running a promotion and the charge was free. Um, but it did require me to tap my uh, my debit card on the reader just as a way of identifying that it was really me starting and ending the charge session. Okay. Uh, obviously, after the promotional period, that would have just built my card as a standard contactless transaction. But yeah, I mean, it, that, that's the way that I think really that makes sense is to have just standard card payments. You don't need to have a wallet full of all these different network provider cards. You don't need to have a mobile app for every single network. Why don't you just have your standard bank card, tap it on the reader? That, I, I think that is the future of this. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of people that haven't changed over to electric cars yet that are listening to this are going to be going, phew, thank goodness for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is something that I was a, a little apprehensive about, just how complex it was going to be. But I, I think... I think the problem is uh, overblown a little bit. I don't think it's quite as bad as, as some people make it out to be. It, yeah, five minutes grabbing a couple of apps and and you've got ninety percent of your charging situation sorted. Or if you know you can get to a charge post, have a look at what the network provider is, download the app, and away you go. You know, it doesn't take long to download an app, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, or one of these EV charging things. You know, it's. It's easy enough to do. If you, if you can work a smartphone, you're not going to have any problems. Mm, super. Tell me, what's the best thing about your car? Oh, good question. I think my favourite thing, especially seeing as I'm looking out the window and it's snowing right now, my favourite thing on it is the ability to preheat it before you get in. <laughs> um, just uh, That is just... It, I, I, I'm still blown away by that. I've had the car 
uh, for a few weeks now, and it's still just it's such a novelty just to be able to to press a button on the app. Or, or now, as I've got this Alexa thing, just saying, you know, Alexa, ask my car to start uh, to start heating, and uh, five minutes later, I get into a toasty warm car. It's it's mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, I'm obviously not going to need that quite so much here, but I could use it to cool the car down as well. I suppose in the summer. Absolutely, yeah, that works both ways. So basically, you pick a temperature on the climate control, and it'll either use the heaters or cool it down. So, uh, what's the thing that you'd like to see change most to give you a better experience of driving electric vehicles? I guess more charge posts. Um, the, you know, I'm quite fortunate in that there's plenty of charge posts around me. Um, but they are at specific locations and it's not everywhere I'd like to go. Now, obviously, in my local town, I guess that's not so much of an issue because I'll always have a full charge. But if I was traveling further afield, let's say uh, I was traveling from here up to Newcastle, I, I would like for the majority of places to have charge bays rather than just a few car parks having charge bays. Mm-hmm. It would just make things that bit easier. What about the Nissan garages? Do you go into the Nissan garage to charge up sometimes? Uh, you can do, but that's that's an interesting situation because there's not 24-7 access. So generally, you can only access those when they're open. And so I, I've not used the charges at the Nissan garages yet simply because simply because I've not needed to. Uh, I'm sure one day that that will come about and and I'll need to do that. Um, But yeah, it just doesn't seem quite as convenient at the moment. Yeah, because I'm thinking if I'm going to take a trip down to Barcelona, then basically the first thing I'll be looking for is to find a Nissan garage I can go and charge at. The second thing I'll perhaps go and look at is there are a number of chargers around Barcelona that are uh, supported and put there by the uh, local council, the adjuntment. And then I could yeah. uh, go in there, and I think they're free to use as well. So uh, those are my first choices, and then after that, I'll be looking for ones where I've got to pay for it. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, if there's free charging available, then make full use of that. Absolutely. I mean, the uh, up until uh, a couple of years ago, the Ecotricity Network, which is the one that handles all the motorway service areas in the UK, was free of charge. Now it was always done as a yeah, it, it was always done um, under the the. the pretense that it would eventually be charged for it was just to try and incentivize people into buying evs um but yeah i mean they kept that up for oh, it must have been maybe five years where all all of the charging on motorways was free basically um and the pricing now is is pretty reasonable mm-hmm. um it, it's it's 30p per kilowatt hour which is more expensive than you would pay at home or in, say, a town centre charging post. But even if you if you think that everything in the motorway service area costs more, from the petrol costs more, the food costs more, the coffee costs more, because they've got a captive audience. Absolutely. Um, so, so in that situation, to pay a little bit more per kilowatt hour for the electricity, I don't think is that unreasonable because you know it's not just the electrics that's the cost on their side. You know, they have to pay for the charges, they have to pay for the upkeep of those. Yeah, these costs add up, and I, I think it's fair to factor that into the cost of the um, cost of the charge sessions. Yeah. So, um, what's your plan with electric vehicles? Anyway, how long do you plan to keep this leaf, and um, or do you have any ideas that you might want to sort of get a test at a later stage? Um, so, I've got it on a four-year finance deal at the moment, and I have the option uh, at the end of those four years to decide whether I want to keep the vehicle or exchange it for a new leaf, and. In all honesty, it really depends what happens uh, and how quickly the technology develops uh, between now and then. Uh, if you look back four years, uh, the EV market was a very different 
uh, was very different to how it is now. And I assume that four years from now, it's going to be different again. I mean, unlike traditional uh, ice cars, which apart from, you know, the tech toys that get added, things like your, um, you know, intelligent cruise control and things like that, they've not really changed that much. But if you look at the EV world, I, I mean... Uh, I view it a bit more like the, the technology world where, where you've got your, your smartphones and computers and every four years, you know, your smartphones and your computers and, and tablets, they're all moving forwards at such a pace. And I think we're seeing the same thing with EVs. They're essentially computers on wheels. Exactly, yeah. So I, I think, you know, four years from now, things could be very different. And I, I suppose it depends on, A, my financial situation in four years' time, and B, what I think of what else is out there in four years but at the moment yeah I, i'm quite happy hanging on to this car for four years i have absolutely no qualms i'm very very happy with it it's a lovely car isn't it it is yeah, yeah so far all i've been able to do is uh, last week i went down to barcelona to do another bit of paperwork for something else and i called into a garage that was um, featuring the uh, the nissan leaf for a couple of days so i went in there and sat in it and took pictures and everything else and the garage where I'm actually buying it, or the concessionario, um, I was able to have a very short test drive. So that's about that's about the size of it for me at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of chomping at the bit at the moment to be able to get my hands on this car. Uh, I I was as well. Like um, like I said, I I was originally planning to buy a 30 kilowatt hour model last year, but then August rolled around. And I started hear, started hearing rumours of a new model. Um, and then September they had the big press release and I was, you know, instantly phoning my dealer and like, right, when can I order it? When can I order it? Uh, and we, we got to um, end of November. I finally managed to get a pre-order in. Uh, and then the next three months just seemed to drag so long <laughs> while I was waiting for, for, so the next two months dragged so long while I waited for, for uh, it to be built and delivered. Uh, I was originally told that I would get it, uh, at the end of February but then um, last week of January I got a call from the dealership telling me it had arrived a month early um, so uh, obviously I, I, I went down as soon as possible to uh, go and sort out all the paperwork and go collect it Yeah well I've been told by the um, Nissan Espana that the uh, car, my car won't well, they're not arriving in Spain until the end of March so I'm expecting that I won't get mine until sometime in April but I'm hoping that they do the same sort of thing where they sort of um, under promise and over deliver that's what we want isn't it yeah it, it certainly seems like they've managed to get more out in the uk than I, I thought they were going to at this point i thought it was going to be a much slower trickle of them uh reaching the market but they seem to have been uh certainly from the forums i've been i've been seeing uh quite a lot of them popping up in the wild doing a better job than tesla <laughs> yeah well yeah exactly but then again nissan have been making cars for a lot longer than tesla tesla is still you know pretty new to this mass market car building um and and they're still learning how to scale up whereas you know Nissan have had decades of practice at it, so yeah, you know, they they do have an advantage there. Yeah, what was your experience like of buying the car? I mean, did you get a good experience with the dealer? Uh, yeah, the the dealer was actually really really knowledgeable. Well, I, I, I'll I'll take that back. The first dealer I went to was absolutely useless. Um, didn't even know that there was going to be a two point zero edition, and they told me I couldn't even place an order until March. After a lot of me 
basically getting information from the internet and sending it across to them going are you sure because i'm seeing all of this stuff on nissan's website and they were just like no no you can't order it till march i eventually gave up and went to another dealer and they were really really knowledgeable um knew absolutely everything about the vehicle had been on you know umpteen training courses from nissan uk um and were very very well equipped uh, and the whole handover process was um was really well done um, so yeah, very very happy with the service from um, uh, from Darlington Nissan. They've been really really good to me. Excellent. I imagine that after driving this CV for a little while now, that you're a bit of a champion for EVs. Have you got some friends and family that are going to follow your lead? Uh, well, I'll certainly be pushing them to you. No one's uh, no one's committed yet, but uh, hopefully the more that, the more that I get to show them with this, the uh, the more the easier that job will be to uh, convince them to make the change. Yeah. I imagine that you've experienced it already, but have you given the experience to uh, some of your friends where they have that EV smile? Uh, yeah, uh, and, and people are pretty blown away by, by just uh, how much pep it has. Yeah, it, it, I, I think not having gears just is, it makes such a change to how, how fast you can... Uh, away in certain situations yeah well when we took the uh the car out to the uh the nissan dealers the uh the the, the salesman was driving it to start with and uh, he was keen to give it a, a test himself and one of the first things they did was to uh, give it a bit of a push on the accelerator pedal to uh, make a smile <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, yeah g- given how much pep this has i can only imagine what the uh the ludicrous mode on the tesla must be like because it can't it can't be that much better surely but uh i think it makes the eyeball sort of go to the back of the head doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i see some of the reaction videos on youtube and it, it looks like uh it looks like s- something to behold <laughs> it really does <laughs> you've uh, got the electric setup so that you've got pain pain less at night time or do you doesn't it matter with you with the running your vehicle I occasionally work from home, so uh, my daytime electricity usage is actually reasonably high anyway compared to uh, people who would always be out at work during the daytime. Okay. So the um, the split tariffs here in the UK, it's it's, uh, it's normally called Economy 7 because you get seven cheap hours. Um, but yeah, that, that tariff doesn't really make sense for me. It would actually cost me a little bit more uh, in terms of electricity. So I um, yeah, I, I haven't done that. I just have fixed uh, pricing throughout the day. And that works quite well for me. I mean, are you noticing already that it's cheap to run the vehicle? Oh, yeah. Compared to what I'd be paying in petrol, yeah, it, it's it's cheap as chips. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I noticed with your YouTube channel, I mean, you've done some journeys there that are just sort of for the sake of going and doing some journeys. I mean, is it, uh, you know, because it's fun to drive or because you can do it or, you know, for your YouTube channel, what's, the re- what's your uh, raison d'etre behind these? Uh, a combination of all of them for you know for one it's an excuse to go and play in the car to go and do some long journeys you know uh and also because i'm not really paying for petrol it's not really costing me that much uh obviously i did uh that that journey was three um rapid charges and that then yeah that costs uh, about 18 pounds in charges but then the next weekend uh, i did two rapid charges and i locked out and managed to get them both for free so you know it, uh either way if i'd have done 400 miles and i was putting petrol into a car i probably would have spent a fair bit more than that mm-hmm. so i think i think i've done pretty well um e- even just in those two uh long trips that i've done so far yeah the, the, it's not a concern of ah, oh, well i'd love to do that but it'll cost me a fortune in petrol that's not even really factored into my uh my thought process um, well, what about the with these long journeys there? I mean, are you finding that with the ProPilot Assist that it's you know, you know more relaxing when you can use that ProPilot Assist? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I've tried that with it on and with it off, and certainly with it with it enabled. At first, it's really weird because I saw someone else describe it as being magnetic, and that's the best possible description for it. It's like the car knows where the center of the lane is and just sticks there, and the steering wheel just gently wants to tug you uh, towards the center of that lane. It won't fight you. It's not. Uh, it's not like it takes the wheel and you can't. You know steer where you need to steer but it just gently sort of guides you back so if you do start drifting towards the edge of the lane it does just kind of gently nudge you back into place so if you're going around a corner it'll just gently follow that corner um i mean i wouldn't trust it to drive on its own uh, and obviously nissan have made a big song and dance about how it's not self-driving but certainly as an assistance feature it works really really well um and the adaptive cruise control as well where it can um detect the car in front and slow to follow them when need be in traffic jams that is absolutely amazing i was stuck in a traffic jam just a couple of weeks ago getting out of a car park so not even doing speeds where you'd normally think to enable cruise control but i decided to flip pro pilot on set set the cruise control to just 20 miles an hour i mean we were going maybe two or three average out of that car park but it was following the car in front if we were stopping for less than three or four seconds it would just you know resume by itself and if longer all i had to do is hit the resume button on the uh on the steering wheel quite happily yeah it, it got me out of that car park and i didn't have to touch that accelerator once or the brake it just took me out of the car. that sounds fantastic that does i can't wait for that yeah i mean obviously you have to steer because it you know when you're that closely uh it, it when the traffic's that dense uh it can't see the road markings because you know bumper to, bumper to bumper but you know that that's a small price to pay i think yeah, absolutely so when you're actually sort of going along there and you're you've got it on the pro pilot assist and it's sort of going around a bit of a bend does that seem really kind of weird you know when it's actually sort of you've just got the hand on the steering wheel and it's moving yeah, it, it, it's a bit alien at first, but it's surprising how quick you get used to it. Like, literally a day of having it, and I thought it was the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that it's going to be a bit difficult if I've... I mean, because the Renault Clio that we've got at the moment, I'm passing that on to my wife, because she has a really, really old car. It's a Suzuki Jeep, and she's only about 25, 26 years. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> wow. it's about time she moved on, really, you know, but uh, she loves that car, and she's going to be quite upset when it goes. But anyway, I mean, there are going to be yeah. times when I'm after going to jump into this uh, Renault Clio, and uh, it's going to seem really strange getting back into an ordinary car. Yeah, I think it will, especially having some of these. Uh, I mean, probably the thing that's going to trip you up most is if you if you start using e-pedal a lot and then don't have it. Uh, I've seen a couple of forum posts of people who have um, uh, who have had the uh, 2.0 already and have then switched back to an ice car for the day, uh, and they've nearly got in got themselves into trouble when the car hasn't braked when they've taken their foot off the accelerator. Um, so it is definitely something to watch out for. Yeah, because I mean, there's that other thing as well where the car will actually avoid collisions, you know, with the car in front as well, isn't there? Yeah. So I mean that that will it's very much a last second sort of panic stations type thing um but yeah if it does detect you're about to crash uh, it, it'll beep at you very loudly first um then it has kind of a second stage where it will you know quite aggressively break and if you are breaking yourself it will just you know break even harder uh, and work with you to try and avoid that crash mm. obviously you don't really want to get into that situation where you're you're cutting things that close uh, but it's good to know that the car's got your back should should the worst happen. Uh, have you experienced that yet? Just uh, 
Uh, I, I've had the first level warning, but not not the second one. Yeah. I, I don't really want to get into that situation, and certainly don't want to be t- trying to test it. No, you don't really. But sometimes it can happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the other thing I'm looking forward to, the other thing I'm looking forward to as well, is where you're um, pulling out of a parking space, and it gives you the cross traffic alert. That is amazing. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't realise just how useful that would be uh, until until I got it into a real world scenario. That combined with the around view monitor is. I can't, I can't put into words just how useful that is. It can see cars from quite a distance. So it's not like when a car is just about to cross you, it can see it from quite a way off the road. So maybe about you know, 50, 100 yards uh, to the side of you, if it, if it sees a car coming on the radar, it will, it will beep and it will warn you. So you have plenty of time to react. It's not kind of a last second thing like I thought it was going to be. Yeah, because I'm always into, in a parking space. I'm parked front end in and I want to pull out and there's cars on the other side that are big sort of huge things or they've got uh, the, um, the windows you can't see through. You can't tell if anything's coming at all. That that's it. Uh, it, it. Yeah, it's it's so much easier to be able to reverse. Oh, if you if you're next to you know a transit van or something like that, you know you can't really see what's going on at all. But having that radar there uh, just gives you that extra kind of bit of confidence to get out safely. Particularly with having to uh, obviously you know front park uh, to get to most charging bays anyway. With the charge ports being on the front, it is definitely good to know that the car's got your back if you need to reverse out of a bay. Yeah, the only thing that I'm looking forward to uh, that hasn't uh, you know arrived in this particular car yet. Is the summon feature that they're having? You know, they're having testers where if someone, yeah. if, if you've parked and then someone sort of parked close to you, and you can't get into the car. It'd be really useful to be able to just press on a button, have the thing pull out, so that you can just jump in. You know, that would be very, very, uh, very useful indeed. I mean, I get the impression that maybe five years we might start seeing it on on Nissan's, but I, I think it's probably a few years off for Nissan. Yeah, obviously Tesla have a big lead on the AI side of things, which. Uh, Obviously, it's their unique selling point at the moment. Yeah, well, we'll keep our fingers crossed anyway, won't we? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> anyway, you know what? It's been marvellous talking to you. I've really enjoyed this, and uh, we've uh, had a, covered quite a lot. Is there anything, any other points you want to make before we sort of move on? To anyone who's listening, like, go get a test drive of one of these as soon as you can in your area. Uh, even if you're not sold on buying one, or you're not even in the market for an EV, go have a play with it, go have a play with the e-pedal. There's some seriously uh, seriously interesting toys on this vehicle. Um, between that and ProPilot, you know, they're, they're things that everyone should experience at least once. Absolutely. Anyway, do you have a website that you want to tell the listeners about before we finish the podcast, how people can contact you? Yeah, you can reach me at unadopted.co.uk. That's U-N-A-D-O-P-T-E-D.co.uk. Okay, that's super. And you've got your, your YouTube channel as well? Uh, yeah, so my YouTube channel is youtube.com forward slash iDigital. Lovely. Anyway, uh, Aaron, it's been uh, absolutely marvellous talking to you. Thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's been it's been great fun. Thank you. And I wish, uh, wish you loads of luck with your um, Nissan Leaf. Thank you. Yeah, I hope you don't have to wait too much longer for yours. I hope and you, I hope I'm you still get it jealous. I'm still very, very jealous indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know I found that very interesting and useful. Lots of good information there. Well, thanks for listening. And if you could do me a favour now, by perhaps going and putting a comment on the iTunes and give it a recommendation. Perhaps even send it to a couple of your friends and uh, recommend it to other EV-loving drivers. And we'll get more viewers and listeners for the podcast. Thanks very much. Bye-bye now. Talk to you again soon.